Did you know that I'd never seen beaches? <laughs> I thought it was a film about the sea. But it's not. It's about female friendships and the painfulness of mortality. No, I had never seen or known that you didn't see beaches, <laughs> but you are correct. It's by the sea. I'm glad you watched it alone because it's not a film for you and me. Wow. I have met my equal. Welcome, <laughs> everyone, to the reviewers. <laughs> on a mission from God. Welcome, everybody, to this episode of The Reviewers, a special episode. Um, you, If you listen to the end of our last one where we reviewed Saving Private Ryan, you learned that um, Ben and I um, did not have a plan for what our next film would be, which is uncharacteristic of us. And we probably will try not to let that happen again, because what happened in that instance was we called my wife Eliza and asked her what our next film should be and so she chose one of her favorite films which is Beaches which is a uh, film starring uh, Bette Midler and um, Barbara Hershey and a very young Mayim Bialik who just showed up out of nowhere and I was like what's Blossom doing on this show what's what's the Jeopardy host and and Big Bang woman doing on this show uh this movie and um directed by gary marshall uh 1990 or 1988 comedy drama and that that a lot of women in my life have seen but i just i never had seen and so eliza recommended this film and you know ben and i part of our thing right is we're not just going to watch the movies that we've seen or that we love you know we're we're going to um open broaden our horizons and try and seek God uh, in any of these expressions of art. And so, yeah, yeah, let's watch Beaches. And then guess what? Guess who is conveniently, quote unquote, sick to record today? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ben, yeah, you miss his, his uh, bubbly, um, you know, counterpoint to my dialogue here. And, um, He's apparently under the weather. Uh, I don't know if he if he can be trusted on that, but I will grant him the benefit of the doubt. I don't even know if he actually saw Beaches, but that's okay because we've got a, a better version of Ben uh, today. And honestly, he's probably somebody that's way better fit to talk about this film than either he or I. Uh, we have a new Rev viewer joining us today. She is a good friend of mine, uh, and she is the pastor of my home church, First Baptist Church in Smithfield, and uh, perhaps most excitedly, she's a big fan of beaches, so she can help coach me through uh, watching and, and appreciating this film and certainly uh, seeking God within it. Reverend Kristen Tucker, welcome to the reviewers. Thank you, Paul. It's great to be here. I'm so glad to be on the Rev viewers. <laughs> That's right. Isn't that a cool name? Don't you like what we I did really, there? It's, it's, it really is. It, yeah. it, I mean, 
I, I can't even see why that would not be on everyone's top list just for the name alone. Seriously. I, well, I don't mean to brag, but if you type in the letters R-E-V-V into iTunes podcast, we are the first thing that pops up. So and I'm not to yeah. say we've made it, but that's pretty good. All <laughs> right. Uh, Kristen, why don't you tell us a little bit uh, before we get into to beaches? Tell us a little bit about um, uh, about who you are and, and why ministry? What led you to uh, to to this calling? Yeah, like you said, I'm currently at First Baptist Church Smithfield, and you know this is my first uh, opportunity to be a senior pastor. So I see that as a great honor. But I thought I would be in college ministry because really my background is a master's in higher education from Appalachian State. I've always been in North Carolina, born and raised in Durham, and and did East Carolina as my undergrad, but. After app and getting my master's and studying college students who knew that you could do that, you can. Uh, I worked at UNC Wilmington. So when I was called to go back to school and uh, look at my theological education, uh, I went to Campbell Divinity, and that's where I just knew it would make sense uh, for me to go into college ministry because I love working with college students. And we know that God does everything in making sense. So uh, he totally did not call me that direction. Instead, he called me to Charlotte as an associate pastor there for my first role uh, in ministry. And so I've been in Charlotte the last seven years, but moved here in November to Smithfield and started in January of this year and uh, love being um, the hands and feet of Christ. And I can so see how uh, my position in higher education prepared me for ministry because I was actually in housing and residence life. Well, you build community with housing and residence life. You do crisis management. You uh, deal with the highs and lows of what college students are going through because uh, we work where they live. So, um, so it definitely prepared me. So, so yeah. Oh, that, yeah, absolutely. I could see lots of uh, points of connection there. And another fun fact about uh, about you and me, Kristen, is that we both started at new churches on the same day, January yes. 2nd of, of this year. So uh, you at First Baptist in Smithfield and, and me here at University Baptist Church in Chapel Hill, both in North Carolina. And uh, I'm, I'm very grateful for, for you and for our friendship and for you being the, uh, the shepherd of my mommy and my daddy and my uh, mother-in-law and my father-in-law and brother and sister-in-law and niece and nephews and uh, lots of folks that I love are, are there and they're in, they're in great hands. So um, we're glad to have you here also today to talk about beaches. And I, I'll be honest, when I knew that this was going to be the movie that that we were reviewing next, I kind of, I, I, I texted you. I, I was like, well, I, I need, I need some female perspective on this. Uh, I need, cause I know that this movie is like a favorite among many of my women friends. And, uh, so I started, you know, texting some of my, my friends who are reverends. And, uh, and I said, I, I bet Kristen will uh, have some history with this. And she responded that indeed she does. So tell me about, about Beach. It, it, how many times have you seen it? Is it, you know, when, when did you see it first? You know, what, what sort of place does it hold in, in your mind? Yeah. I, you know, this came out in the, um, in 1988, I believe, and right around that time, I was seven years old uh, in 1988. And, um, and so right at that time, my family and I were going to movies. 
But this came out around the same time that other tearjerker movies came out. Um, I think of, uh, oh, Driving Miss Daisy. Driving Miss mm-hmm. Daisy came out that uh, around that time. And so did Still Magnolias. Oh, and gosh. Like, why is everyone trying to pull our heartstrings right now? You know, <laughs> uh, like, why is this being entertainment right now? But, I am seven um, years old. <laughs> Yes, and these are the movies I'm going to see. <laughs> yeah, give me Aladdin. Give me Cinderella. Right, right. right. But um, but uh, I would say as a kid, um, it obviously it, there was funny parts to it, but I didn't feel all the feels that I do now going back watching it at the age of 41. Because once you texted me, I said, "Oh, I so remember that, and I love that movie." But I need to sit sit here and really watch it uh, just to prepare my my um heart and mind of a refresher here and it had all the feels in it um yes. from the highs and the lows uh so so i think that um you know one thing that my mom and grandmother of uh, taking me to this movie because i went with them to see it uh they could really relate to a lot of the storyline um where i couldn't you know right so, so it's, um, it's good to watch it as an adult now and, and see, uh, just again, how adults could relate to it today. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, it's funny you talk about it, it having all the feels, uh, and it, it was directed by Gary Marshall and he has directed a lot of movies that kind of have that theme, you know, several romantic comedies, but also, um, movies that um, just pull at the heartstrings so yeah gary marshall directed films like valentine's day new year's eve a lot of those holiday sort of sort of films mother's day uh which you know lead people to uh, these you know kind of emotional states uh (laughs) pretty woman you know so several romantic comedies in here that i'm seeing as i as i google his filmography um so it's uh definitely in step with uh with the director uh but being 1988 it was um i believe toward the beginning of what he would do directorially so this uh, might have helped set the tone for some of those other films. And uh, it's interesting if you look like at how the critics reviewed this film, uh, there wasn't a ton of love for it. Uh, I think on Rotten Tomatoes, it's at like 43% or something like that. It's pretty low. But if you look at the audience scores, it's you know, way high, like in the 80s. And I think that speaks to how it does connect to the the feels as you say and um, people are able to connect with it on this emotional level and it resonates and helps us feel things and and uh, gives us a positive reaction and so uh, I think that it has aged well certainly uh, in its fandom and one fun fact is that also Gary Marshall is the one that created Happy Days TV show that's right. He is. Yeah, that's so, right. He did lots of TV stuff before. Yeah. So he's, you know, he, I mean, in some ways he's very genius of knowing his audience and writing, mm-hmm. obviously, um, and producing and directing. But, um, you know, I, I think about also the depth that Beaches went, that could be really, really hard in some of the deeper feelings that went to at the end. Because really 90% is building in this tight, tight relationship 
mm. only at the end. And spoiler alert, if you haven't seen right. it, right, you right, have plenty of time to see it. So You've I'm had go ahead many years, it. yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, but you know, to build us and build us and build us as the viewer, only to then uh, spend the last 15, 10, 10 to 15 minutes of death and then ending the movie. It's like, oh my goodness. Like, yeah. 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 That's a great, that's a great point. I wonder if like it, when it was advertised, cause I knew like at this point, you know, like it, if you have any sort of cultural awareness or, around the film, then you know that, that it leads to, you know, a, a death of one of them. And, and, you know, did you ever know that you're my hero in the wind beneath my wings and stuff like that? Like I, I was able to, to piece together that there was this sad end for, for one of them. I'd heard enough about it. And some films, you know, when they come out and as they're advertised, you can get a sense that they're going to, that there's a bitter sweetness to them, that they're headed toward this direction. And part of what makes them good and, and what part of what makes the relationship building so meaningful is because, you know, there's going to be an end to it. And I wonder if as this was advertised and things, if, if, it was done in such a way that that you knew that this was going to be the telling of a friendship from beginning to end, uh, where the end being the death of one of them, or if it, or if it really was like a like a you know a shock uh, type of thing to to audiences. You know, I I think about it sort of like I do with um, a Star Is Born. Right? Mm -hmm. Somehow, a Star Is Born was just this this big cultural blind spot that that I had until the most recent one came out with Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga. And so I didn't know, again, spoiler alert for a movie mm -hmm. that you should definitely know this about, that he never really conquers his alcoholism and he ends up dying. And right. so when that happened, I was like, what? You know, and I was crying and everything. It was right. it was so sad. But but that's what helped make the movie so beautiful like i i don't know if it would have been as as poignant if it had a quote-unquote traditional happy ending yeah and i really appreciate you saying that too because that's it made it real yeah. you know I, I i movies i want the happy ending i want everyone to come together and it's harmony all the time like that's what we want movies so when we face movies like beaches or a star is born and it has that shocker or the way we don't want it to end it, it, it's hard to close it out, you know, and, and sit with it. But then when you really think about life, <laughs> I mean, think about, you know, what is, what is continuing to happen in our nation and, or the tragedies that we see and the realness of that. And it's like, yeah, gone, like we want happy endings all the time. And so when this gets us in our deep, deep feels, it, mm -hmm. I think we're getting, it's harder and harder for society also to truly deal with that um you know yeah. uh, without something helping um at times yeah so. i think you're right i think you're, you're absolutely right you know a lot of people want to go to movies for the sense of escapism yes. and that's why things like the marvel cinematic universe and some of these things are just so so huge uh and you know what we need that we do need that uh i saw top gun maverick after um <gasps> after all the heavy stuff, the tragedy in yes. Uvalde last week. And, and I, and man, it felt good to sit in a theater and just be caught up in a story that is made up, does not matter at all, but was, was a lot of fun and helped me escape. 
But at the same time, I think that we have to have movies like Beaches and 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 Star is Born or, or others that, yeah, remind us that uh, art reflects life and life is not always happy endings and life doesn't always let us off with the good feels. You know, it, it makes us feel, it gives us the feels, but we don't get to have the say over what those feels are. And, uh, you know, to go ahead and start bringing in some spirituality to this, um, scripture is a lot like that, right? It's kind of the difference between a children's story Bible book and the Bible itself. You know, children's story Bible book, you know, we get Noah in the ark and we cut off once they get to dry land and we got the rainbow. Yeah, yeah. We don't go into the thing about Noah getting drunk and then Noah somehow, <laughs> for some reason that I can't understand, cursing, calling curses upon like mm-hmm. his grandson because his son saw him mm-hmm. naked, you know, not the kid's fault that, that you got drunk and, and stripped down, you know, and, and so there's this complex, like what type of story to it? And it's not necessarily a happy ending or, you know, like David and Goliath. Yeah. He killed Goliath. Well, yeah, he hit him with a stone. And then he also went over and he chopped off his head, you know, <laughs> and all that, like these, we have this way of, of sanitizing, uh, scripture, which Ben and I've talked about a couple of times, but, um, I think, I, I think, I like that scripture doesn't always work out with the happy ending um, because life rarely works out with the happy ending. Um, But the thing that you can count on in scripture is that, is that God is, God is there. Um, Whatever else is, is happening or going on, um, God is there. And ultimately it is all building toward, um, a resolution, which is an empty tomb. And, um, and we can rejoice in that, but yeah, thoughts on that. Yeah. When you were, um, talking about how you had to step away, uh, just to have, go to a movie, kind of sit mm-hmm. there, uh, and, and step away for a little bit. Um, it reminds me of how it, God had to step away and rest. Mm. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I see that as Sabbath rest and I think it's, it, it, it's something we do not keep sacred today, but it's something that needs to happen because life is so heavy. Yeah. And so, um, so I, I, I've, I've tried to learn more and more to have an intentional Sabbath rest day where I don't do chores that day. I do, I, I, you know, enjoy my home. I enjoy my Bernadoodle. I, uh, go walk or, um, if I'm going to watch TV, it's only something that can pour into me. It can't be streaming Netflix. It, it has to be messages or music that pours into me mm. um, and, and gives me truth and gives me life. Uh, and um, and then I just rest and I pray and just literally uh, try to slow down uh, because the other six days can be so heavy. Yeah. And so I, I, I do uh, see that as a as a big thing we need that we don't even recognize that we need. And and really, Paul, when you think about it, that was the only commandment that out of the 10 that was created before sin entered the world, hmm. you know, like he rested before sin entered the world, then sin enters the world. And it is one hmm. of our, you know, um, yeah. expectations of the Lord or what, you know, uh, is to take care of ourselves and rest. Yeah. That's a great point. That's it. And, um, and, and you, you used a very interesting word in there, something kind of doodle. 
<laughs> my Bernadoodle. <laughs> Bernadoodle. Okay. This is, this is your dog, correct? Yes. My dog, Tur. Um, her name is Dog-ter. Joy. Yeah, gotcha. Yes. Yes. That's my only child. And uh, so, yeah, so but she's, her name is Joy. She brings a lot of joy to a lot of people. Uh-huh. So, uh-huh. Yeah. What is a Bernadoodle? Bernese Mountain okay. and Poodle Mix. Gotcha. And so she's the tricolor, like a Bernese Mountain dog. And they became very, very popular, especially the last five years. Like a lot of people have okay. gotten Bernadoodles. Yeah. So Any no, type and the of, standard yeah. size is like a hundred pounds. I was like, no, I can't do that. So I got mine from Charlotte Dog Club, which has miniature Bernadoodles. So you can go to Charlotte Dog <laughs> Charlotte Dog Club uh, and Google that, and you'll find a bunch of miniature Bernadoodles. There you go. Pounds, so. They're not even a sponsor of the show, but but we're no, we're, we're calling no. them, we're shouting them out. Um, right. Yeah, doodles are are, are pretty popular. We've got a, a golden doodle, and um, she's not gold at all, but, uh, she's, she's jet black, but she's super sweet. Also not miniature. I think, uh, next go round, we're, we're going to go that route as well because, um, she's a little big, but anyway, there was a dog in this movie, bringing it back to beaches, right? There was a great day. Um, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about the cat. The little yeah. Girl. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Not a lot to say about the great Dane really. I was just trying to bring it back to the movie. He enjoyed a limo ride, so that was fun. He did. He did. Then apparently he got hit by a bus, but off screen. So we didn't have to see that. Um, so so what else? If if I were to say, Kristen, what was your favorite scene from Beaches? What would you say? You know, I, I love the comedy part. I think Bette Miller is just genius. I, from mm-hmm. her being a kid, her name is Cece in the movie, from her being a kid to uh, being a bunny rabbit as an adult and literally sitting there saying, I hate my life. Um, you know, she, she is very real in self and, um, and you can see that and it's, and that's what's highlighted, uh, in the movie. And, and because she's so real in self, when I watched it, this go round, I, I laughed at her face expression when Hillary first came to see her in her apartment in New York. And Hillary is one that has supposed to be, is supposed to be prim proper living in the rich culture. And she yells, I'm free. I'm free. Thank God at last I'm free. And Cece, AKA Bette Midler looks scared half to death. Like mm-hmm. why does freedom look so good? And this is freaking me out. And, um, and so uh, that is my favorite scene right there because it really can relate to, especially when people's lives transition and tra- mm-hmm. and they start becoming believers of Christ and people are like, well, what is going on here? Why are you such a Jesus freak at the moment. Let me use another eighties, nineties term. So. Yeah, there you go. Um, yeah, it, Bet Midler definitely does. Um, I found myself laughing a lot at, uh, at the things that she would say and, and do, and just her way of carrying herself. And even Mayim Bialik, the young girl at that time who, who played, she played the younger version of, uh, Bette Midler's character, CC. Uh, and I, I think she nailed her. Um, yeah. But yeah, she was just, she was a very enjoyable character to watch. And um, I think she carried the whole film. And um, yeah, so again, trying to focus on, you know, where is God in this and things? What Are there any spiritual themes or things that you picked up on and watching beaches? Yeah, I did. I, I did uh, think of at least some, a couple of situations. Uh, one is as uh, Sari and Hagar. Um, I I thought a a lot about that in the fact of, 
each of them wanted the other's lives at, at life at one point or the other. Um, and even when Hagar ran away and God tells, you know, it doesn't make sense and it doesn't feel good that God would tell her, go back to your mm-hmm. master, Sarah. Uh, I'd say Sarah, I don't know. She wasn't Sarah yet. Um, <laughs> right, right. So. Sarai, Sari, Sarah, Sarah, whatever. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but right before that, you know, she's able to know that God hears her, God sees mm-hmm. her. Mm-hmm. Um, and throughout this movie, they, um, at one point or another have a jealousy of each other's lives. And yeah. at the very end, they hear each other, they see each other. Um, so. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of, along those lines, I was kind of thinking of like David and Jonathan, obviously different yeah. gender there, but, um, yeah. you know, there was that component of, because CC is, uh, you know, she's not poor necessarily, but she's on the lower end of, of the socioeconomic status. And Hillary mm-hmm. is, is definitely more upper crust, uh, very privileged type of existence. And, um, and so they strike up this friendship and then, uh, you know, I was, I was thinking about, you know, Jonathan and, and, uh, David and, you know, Jonathan sort of being in this high, holy type of position, being the son of a King. And then, um, David, uh, at that point, you know, still having a lot of promise and being a man after God's own heart and everything, but, uh, also being on the run a lot from, uh, Jonathan's dad. And, uh, and, and there was almost this like, you know, forbidden nature of their, of their friendship. And, uh, this, these two pieces shouldn't go together type of thing. And, uh, you, you definitely got vibes uh, like that from, um, from Hillary, uh, and CC. Uh, but I thought speaking of spirituality, that friendship was uh, a big theme in this, um, in this movie. And one of the people, interestingly, that I found myself thinking a lot about was uh, Paul. And mm-hmm. I think that he came to my mind so much one, because this is a very letter centric movie. So they are writing letters back and mm-hmm. forth. I, I like the way that they structured that narratively. Um, yeah. and, and so you, you see that these women, um, connected for significant chunks of their life, but in the meantime, their relationship was sustained through the writing of letters. And I mean, that's, that's the apostle Paul, right. And his, and, and the churches that he, that he founded and that he, he helped to, to birth. Um, I love that, you know, if you think about it, uh, CC and Hillary, they just met through uh, one afternoon. I mean, mm-hmm. basically Hillary mm-hmm. was lost on the beach and she, uh, finds, uh, she goes over to this boardwalk and under the boardwalk, uh, CC is smoking a cigarette, you know, uh, you know, being sassy in her little dance you know outfit and everything getting ready to go to an audition and um and they end up being friends and she goes with her to the audition and they have a fun afternoon together and then and then they they separate you know but they get each other's addresses and so they write letters and I, I think it's like not until like after college or something that that they meet up is that right yeah yeah they yeah. Moved, yeah they're in well Hillary's already yeah. Ended college. Yeah. Yeah. Go. So they meet up, meet up in New York and uh, Hillary mm-hmm. kind of 
escapes her um, her very sheltered type of life. She had a lot of money, but but was very um, sheltered and and controlled. And um, it, it reminded me a lot of again Paul and his churches writing those letters back and forth. And um, you know, you read Paul and you can feel the the love that he has for these churches and for uh, the people in them, you know, most of those epistles, he's naming folks specifically by name. And, um, and another thing about it is, is, you know, those letters are brutally honest too. Like he's able to, um, he's able to, uh, touch all the feels kind of as, as you say in a lot of those letters I mean there's there's joy and you and you, and you understand his gladness and, and connecting with them and his longing to be with them but he also you know he gets heated in a lot of them because he understands here's about some conflict that they're going through or some ways that they're not not holding to um to what he had taught them or, or the way uh that we should be living in in the spirit and um you know I think that that those letters and, and this movie uh, just demonstrate so much about what a good friendship is, this ability to, uh, to pick up, you know, where, where you left off, right. No matter what's happened in between. And um, I, I feel like we, we get that in Paul's letters. Like they very much have this relationship of, you know, he, he's away and that stinks, but he could be back tomorrow and it would be like, he never left, you know, mm-hmm. that there mm-hmm. would be this, this love, no love lost uh, between any of them. And I think Cece and, and Hillary give us some great friendship lessons, you know, like, like that ability to pick up where they left off. They um, did that multiple times. Um, there's this idea of supporting each other. No, no matter what, like they're, they never feared that the friendship would go away. I don't think. And I think that because they had that security, they, were able to be honest with each other and they were able to call each other on, on some of their, on some of their mess, you know, on some of their hard, hard stuff that they probably didn't want to reflect on, but they felt safe enough because they knew the other person wasn't going anywhere. Um, I listened to a podcast recently with a, uh, with Amy Jill Levine. I don't know if you know her, but she's um, uh, a Jewish a scholar of the New Testament who she teaches at Vanderbilt uh, Divinity School. So she's Jewish, but teaches um, young Christian seminarians um, getting ready to, to go into um, service of the church or mission work or whatever. And uh, on this podcast, she was talking about how Christians are really bad about arguing. Uh, we don't argue well. We, whenever we argue, we end up just splitting and saying this relationship is done and I'm going to start a new church or I'm going to go somewhere else or whatever. Mm -hmm. She said, Jews don't do that. She said, we are so much better at arguing than, than you all. And it's because there's this understanding that, you know, Jewish is to, to be Jewish is literally a, a blood identity, right? You're born into it and you can't get out of it. That's your family, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So there's this familial, we're not letting you go type of connection. And so because there is that, that freedom of uh, unconditional community, 
they can be honest with one another and they can be honest about their perspectives and their feelings and their opinions and all of that. Because at the end of the day, they know that they're not going anywhere. And sort of her point was that Christians should take their baptisms more seriously, because when we're baptized into, you know, one faith, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, that's essentially, that's what we're saying, right? Yes, it, yes. Is, is that we're all together, like it or not, no matter what. And um, I think that Cece and uh, Hillary demonstrate that, that type of community, that type of uh, friendship. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. And I'd love to piggyback on, I think that's a great uh, way that you focused on Paul and the letter writing. Because mm-hmm. I also know that, um, you know, there's one part where Hillary is trying to find the picture of her mother because of her hands. She couldn't remember what her hands looked like, her mom's hands, but her mm-hmm. daughter had just highlighted that they had the same hands. So she wanted to see what her mom's hands were. And I, and she had that aha moment there. I do believe that anyone that's going to take care of my daughter that um, after I pass has to be someone that remembers me. And can tell my daughter all about her and constantly remind her who I am as her mother. And, you know, it's interesting to me that here's Jesus after he ascends into heaven. He's got his disciples, the 11 that walked on earth with him. Um, You know, why weren't they the ones that were writing the letters to the church? How come he had to meet Saul on the Damascus road? Where did Saul come from? Right. He was persecuting the church. But, um, but it's like, uh, you know, him and God were like, we, this man will remember, this man will remember what happened to him on the road and he will go out and he will stick to it. And, um, and so they send him instead, you know, uh, to, to go out and, and, and really change the whole, um, the whole viewpoint of the church and Christianity and that relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and as you, talk about that and this idea of of loving something so much that you you only hand it down to those that you most trust and those who will remember you best you know like in the gospel of john uh where uh he's sitting in the epilogue when jesus is sitting down with with peter and Mm -hmm. you know do you love me do you love me do you love me yes lord you know i love you three times and he says, well, feed my sheep, you know, mm-hmm. feed my sheep, take care of my lambs. And uh, yeah, it's this idea that you're so close to me. You love me. I know. I believe that you love me. I know you've messed up, but I, I know that you love me. And so I'm entrusting these that I care so much about to you. And I'm trusting that you tell them about me. Right, right. Just like, yeah, when when Hillary passes and she she trusts that this woman who loved her so much will mm-hmm. tell her child how great her mother is. And uh, yeah, absolutely. That's a that's a great point. There was also very uh, much intentionality in the song, <laughs> uh, you know, and I, I wrote down the lyrics at the very beginning when Cece as a child is doing her first audition that Hillary gets to see. Mm hmm. He sings uh, your song, uh, the song, you've got to give a little, take a little, and let your poor heart break a little. That's the and well, story. But how does it sound, that. Kristen? How does it sound? Give me a little, like, you know, you gotta. You've got to give a little, take a little, and let your poor heart break a little. 
that's the story of that's the glory of love oh my goodness my thank you was probably it's like what is she doing in there and <laughs> <laughs> see my staff would not be they wouldn't ask any questions because i do this all the time <laughs> yeah uh, so and but i love that because then at the very end it's not happy cc singing it it's more of a reflective cc singing yeah. it, and that's how they end the movie you mm-hmm. see beginnings and ends. They met at the beach. Um, I believe when Cece turned to see Hillary sitting in that beach chair after she talked to her daughter, I believe Cece realized she had just passed because yeah. of the way that yeah. she looked at her. Like, so they, their last time together again was on the beach, hence beaches. But, you know, I, I just thought that was really cool how they've incorporated that song and beginnings and ends. And, um, and then, you know, not to be too cheesy, but really and truly here on earth, we do see these happy times and these sad times, but the glory of the true love, which is going to be the light is not the sunshine in heaven. It's going to be mm. God's glory that shines upon us. We won't even need the sunshine. So yeah. I just see the glory of love. We haven't even truly gotten to even be in the realm of that yet. Um, yeah. Yeah. We just yeah. get glimpses of it. Um yeah. Yeah, no, you you mentioned uh, that beginning and ending with the beaches and and beginning and ending with this song. And I think that that's another uh, theme that pops up that has some some, you know, spirituality to it is this idea of symmetry in life. You know, I, I don't know about about you, but as I grow up uh, and, and walk through life and all this sort of stuff, like there, there seem to be themes that, that continually pop up with me. Like if, if my life were a movie, you know, I think that these themes would, would come in at, at different points and, and there probably is a song out there that would be a good cue to hit, you know, in my childhood. And that would be, um, that would be quite, uh, relevant again, you know, in, in, in my adolescence and, and my young adulthood and all this sort of stuff. And so, yeah, this, I don't know if it's a cyclical nature to life or, or what it is, but I like that they built in uh, the symmetry of, you know, a beach at the beginning, a beach at the end, beaches, like you said. But then not only was it Bette Midler or her character, Cece, singing that song at the beginning and then singing that song at the end, but it was at the beginning, a young Hillary watching her sing that song and being amazed at her. And then at the end, it was Hillary's young daughter Mm -hmm. watching her Mm -hmm. sing that song and being amazed by it. And so that it's this idea of rebirth of, of this cycle happening again, but it happening fresh and new, like, Mm -hmm. um, doing something different with it. And I, and God very much works that way. I mean, that's, that's who Jesus is, right? You know, I, I come not to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. So I'm, I'm, I'm very much doing and saying what you've heard and, and what has been done and what has been said before, but I'm, I'm doing something new with it as well. And, uh, I, I love that because yes, it brings a freshness to life. And, um, while, while there's this familiarity, there's also a newness and, 
you know, the other thing that that made me think about was Ben and I talked a couple episodes ago about family systems and and how families tend to to operate as systems and in systems we often see patterns like this we see these these themes play out um, multiple times over multiple generations and i just thought it was very interesting that uh, hillary had a mom who died young uh, whose dad was absent really uh, and she found solace in this friendship with Cece, right? Well, Victoria, Hillary's daughter, her mom dies when she is young. Her dad is absent and she finds solace in this friend named uh, Cece. And I, I think, I think that tracks, I think that happens a lot in life. And, and I like that this movie pointed that out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. When it comes to the movie of your life, who would play you? Well, obviously Jason Bateman. Okay. Because yeah. we've because we've got we've got the looks. Who would you choose? Who would play you? Well, when I was in college, I don't know about now, but when I was in college, people told me I looked like Kirsten Dunst. So Okay, yeah, I could see that. So I um so that would probably but I don't even know. Does she do movies anymore? I you know uh, she does a lot of TV stuff. Okay. Um, yeah, she did. She was in Power of the Dog, that Netflix movie uh, that came out last year, and I'm sure others, but probably like smaller stuff. Yeah, that we're just she not was big then recording. because I was in college in 2001 when Spider Man came out. Oh was, yeah, mm -hmm. so, yeah. upside down wet spider kiss. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So yeah, okay. Well, something else that I found myself reflecting upon uh particularly in one scene was the idea of forgiveness oh, uh, yeah. you yeah. know there was there was a big fight that uh, the protagonists had and hillary at one point you know offers i think some sort of apology but it feels eh, it doesn't feel right there's not enough there mm -hmm. and then she goes a little bit further and healing can happen but, you know, it made me want to ask uh, because I know that it's something that I've experienced in my own life and, and it's quite painful. Uh, what is it? What does it take for forgiveness to work? How do you do forgiveness? Well, I guess. I mean, what are your thoughts on like what what's what must take place for forgiveness to happen and reconciliation maybe is a better word. Well, I, 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 in my own experiences, I've learned number one, grace has to happen. Mm. Um, and, and really showing that in a, in a conversation, pride cannot be in the conversation at all. Mm. Uh, and it's vulnerability because it's, if you are the one that is asking for forgiveness, uh, then you've got to be open to, to saying, even if they do not forgive me, I've got to continue to do what's right. And that is to ask for it. I've learned, Paul, that um, in the situations where I've hurt friends before that I, um, I can't say I'm sorry. Instead, I've got to say, uh, here, is, here is where I see um, my role in uh, hurting you. And I label it, I, I give it identity. And then I say, will you forgive me? And the reason why is because then it requires them one to say yes or no, um, to respond and two, that 
I'm I'm truly trying to grow in my humility. Um, I know that the Lord highlighted a lot, especially during the pandemic. Uh, it says multiple times in Luke, not once, but twice, those that exalt themselves will be humbled and those that humble themselves will be exalted. And, um, and he has taught me a lot in uh, the power of my humility. It makes me grow instead of baking a casserole <laughs> and, and showing sympathy. It, it helps me actually grow in um, getting in the trenches with someone and learning empathy. Um, it's no longer distant. And I feel like I've learned a lot that the word I'm sorry can be said in any way just to, just to get it done. Just like maybe the word love is thrown around right. um, and there's a distance there or a disconnect where if I'm literally looking in your eyes and, and, and saying, I, I know I've hurt you. And this is where I've seen or heard you say that I've hurt you. And will you forgive me? It really makes both of us stop. And I've had majority forgive me. Um, yeah. I've had some that did not, you know, yeah. so. Yeah, that's great. Uh, great thought. Yes. I think I'm sorry. I'm sorry is the surface, right? Yeah. I, I'm sorry is, is, you know, what's at the top, but there's got to be something beneath it. And um, I think when Hillary first said she was sorry or whatever, it, didn't really, there wasn't anything beneath it. And, and it took her breaking down really to the point of confession yes. where she acknowledged what she had done, what she gave uh, to contribute to the, the brokenness of the situation. Um, once she did that, Cece could open herself to, to forgiveness. Uh, but yeah, it, I mean, it really, sucks when you are the offended party when mm -hmm. when you are, are hurting and it's because of something somebody else has done and to have that pain go unacknowledged um by them by you know when, when they don't recognize i did something and that hurt you and i'm that i'm sorry because i don't want to hurt you because because i love you um and uh, that, that, yeah, it, it opens the door for uh, forgiveness and grace uh, truly to happen. But I think, as you found to be the case, it's hard not to look at somebody who is very honest and, and, and vulnerable in front of you and sharing what they did and um, to not extend grace. It doesn't always happen. Like you said, you've had instances where it hasn't, and I've had instances where it hasn't too. And you can't own that. Like when, when you, when you're seeking forgiveness, the best that you can do is, is make that confession and, 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 you know, extend your desire to be forgiven. And then, you know, the other person is, is on their journey and, and they got to do with it what, what they will and, and trust God to, to work in, in their heart as well. But most of the time it's been my experience that, that, yeah, uh, folks respond well to that humility. And you talking about that a lot. I think about the, the Christ hymn from Philippians two. I just always go back to that, you know, Jesus though, being in very nature, God did not consider himself, uh, did not consider equality with God, something to be grasped, but instead took on the very nature of a servant, making himself nothing. And it's just this great portrait of, of humility. Um, not that he had anything to, you know, confess or be sorry about, but just mm -hmm. the power of 
um, putting yourself beneath someone is uh, it, it really it, it really preaches and uh, it it really creates a space for healing and reconciliation to happen. And I love something else in that scene that happened where um, you know Hillary and and Cece are really uh, mending their relationship, and and she may, Hillary gives this big huge confession, very emotional, and then Cece it frees her to say because um, Hillary says it was my fault. And Cece says, no, it was our fault. Mm-hmm. And Eliza, my wife, for the listeners, mm-hmm. uh, she'll, she'll tell you, when we figured out in our relationship early on, uh, while we were, when we were dating, that conflict is not an either or. It's not black and white most of the time. It's not one person is 100% right. Another person is 100% wrong. We are complex individuals and we each do things that contribute to conflictual situations because we're all sinful people and we're all broken and we're, and we're all messed up and not yet perfect. And so we found that it was always really helpful for each of us to say like, I, I recognize what I contributed to this situation and, uh-huh. and I'm, I'm sorry for these things. I seek forgiveness for these things. And, um, and that was really helpful. It has been really helpful. It's really helped us navigate our, our conflicts um, because it's like a mutual humility. It helps both of us come into the, to that seeking resolution, knowing that no one of us is, is higher than the other. Uh, we're both on level playing uh, a level playing ground and um we both contributed and i think that was demonstrated really beautifully in that scene yeah and if anyone you know is is listening to this today and they're and they're still battling because they have asked for forgiveness they've tried to get it um get it or give it and the, and the other person like you were mentioning a while ago is is not receptive to it um you know that's when you um I challenge us um, as as ones that are listening to um, really then create boundaries to protect because mm-hmm. we can get stuck. We can yes. get stuck in a person not releasing it when really um, I'm learning more and more that when I'm asking for forgiveness, it, it, it is to free me. Mm-hmm. And um, the enemy would love for us to focus on if that person accept it or not to hold it as a, a prison because see you, man, you really messed up because they can't forgive you. And that's, that's not the case because God is looking at our hearts. He knows the intention of our hearts. And so, um, uh, you know, for the, for situations where I don't feel like I've received the, the forgiveness back, or it's been acknowledged, um, and I haven't received the apology. That's where I have to then create a boundary to say, I know my heart, Lord, you know, my heart. And I did this not to, you know, win any type of prize except reconciliation, because, um, you know, that that's what needs to stay important. Because if we feed the things that are not supposed to be active, because there are relationships in our lives that are seasons and that's okay. You know, so, um, so if it, if that season is an end, um, don't live in that season. We've got, mm. you got to bury it and move on. Um, mm. just like Christ tells us in scripture now, come follow me. You've, you've buried the dead. Now come on. 
you know, um, and I mean, cause I, I hope it's reconciliation for all of us, but the truth of the matter is it's not going to be every time. So how do you heal from that? And the first thing is to create those boundaries and feed what is good and what God's going to do in this and building you and your character instead of living in the prison that Satan would love for you to live in. And that is, Oh, let me, let me go send them a cake or let me go call them every day right. to make sure we're okay. And, and that's, that's just going to continuously beat you up. Yeah. Because at that point, your contentment is contingent on yes something external, something outside of yourself right. that you can't control. And, right. um, and honestly, a lot of the time, like, again, when, when we come seeking forgiveness, the person that we're seeking forgiveness from is still a person. They are complex and they have flaws within them that might not just make them able or ready, whatever to, to forgive at that time. And, and that's not on you to, to work out or, and, and your growth and your development and your wellness cannot sit and wait for that to happen. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, yeah, great word. Love that. What else? Anything else that you saw in beaches that's just burning to be preached? Ooh, beaches, <laughs> no, I, would just in, I would just encourage anyone that has not seen it. When you watch it, just um, really think about, especially if you're a ministry, think about all the, all the ways and highs and lows of what people go through in their lives. And, um, you know, I, I always thought growing up, everyone had a great family like mine was my family was just, we've just always been close. Um, but now I'm learning more that we're actually the exception, unfortunately. And, mm. and I lived under a rock. I didn't even know the, the true loneliness or tragedy that people experience until I've gotten older. And now I worked in higher education and saw that with college students bringing their, their burdens or, or yeah. now in ministry, you know, so. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. A, a great point. Another reason why films like this are so important because they, they help broaden our perspectives. And yes. even if these are imaginary characters, the, they represent real people. Uh, these yeah. are real situations. And like you said, very much, um, not the exception, but the rule <laughs> is, mm-hmm. um, you know, these, these unstorybook non-storybook uh type of uh, families and and ways of of living and being and um this is the world that jesus has, has called us into and called us to love not to make it look just like any other one but just to 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 love it and and find where god is in that as we have tried to find god in this lovely story of these two um wonderful friends uh i did have one more insight kristen that that i'm just going to drop if i was in like a film theory and spirituality class or something uh this is probably the argument that i would build from this movie i was very excited to discover it do you want to hear it yes absolutely i'm pretty sure it's because uh this sunday is pentecost sunday and so i've been thinking a lot about um the holy spirit and the color red but okay cc is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. Hear me out. So not only does she have flaming red hair, yeah. uh, but she is uh, an advocate, right? She is a friend uh, that is continually by Hillary's side, uh, even to the point where when Hillary tries to divorce herself from 
CC. Mm -hmm. Start sending CC's letters back. Uh, will not open CC's letters. Mm -hmm. CC keeps writing. She uh, continually, continually pursues, just as the Spirit of God stays with us, continues mm -hmm. to to nudge us. Um, again, the red hair, but also she she uh, at a very pivotal scene. She's wearing a red jacket. She lives in a very obviously red apartment. Um, all the walls are, <laughs> yeah, are red. Yeah. Um, Let's see. Uh, the scripture tells us, uh, Jesus tells us in John 16, I think that the Holy Spirit will convict us of, of sin, which she does. There again was that scene uh, where she basically called Hillary to task for not answering her, her letters. She said, you took away uh, your friendship without even discussing it with me. Really? Oh, gut wrenching wow. line. Yeah, that was uh, so, so she did that. She did that to yeah. her friend. She held her to account, convicted her of sin. But Jesus says there that uh, the Holy Spirit also convicts us of righteousness. And, um, you know, Cece was Hillary's biggest fan. And she was always telling her uh, the first thing uh, that first afternoon that they spent together as uh, children, she said, um, I, I think I've, I've never heard a more beautiful singer than you. I've never heard anybody with a better voice than you. She's always cheering her on, encouraging her, um, again, advocating for her, especially later in life when she, you know, mm -hmm. had to be the one who, who went to the doctor's office with her and, and speak for her. Um, she literally, she, she journeys with her right up to the point of death. As you said, they're mm -hmm. on, on the beach. Uh, I believe that, is is where she passed away um and she also what is her gift right her gift is to to sing she mm -hmm. has a gift of music and what is music but the universal language mm -hmm. and it's it's a language that every culture has in common that everybody um can can communicate and understand and what do we celebrate at pentecost but uh, the spirit of God descending and people speaking in all these different languages, being able to understand and connect with one another. So I think CC is, is a, a, a strong uh, symbol of God's Holy Spirit, that ever-present friend, companion, encourager who is uh, with us no matter what. Mm -hmm. I like it. I, I do. And another thing is, is that we always think that God is um, serious. And mm -hmm. the fact is, is God is the one that created laughter. He's mm -hmm. the one that created creativity. He's the one that created uh, the, the different personalities. And right there, we see that and CC at the beginning. I mean, as a kid, how she's just funny, how she calls her mom by her name instead of mom. She, you yeah. know, dancing down the steps at the ritzy hotel, you know, I mean, she's just um, a free spirit uh, mm -hmm. and, and one that uh, where it was not uh, about structure and it has to be this way. This is the only way that um, you can live life. It was a free spirit. And, and man, could we not learn a lot with our churches if we yes. can just allow people to be free spirit instead yes. of saying, no, it's scriptural that the order of worship has to be this way. It's scriptural that church has to start at this time. It's you know? right, and, right. Uh, yeah, I, I so can see that. Yeah, literally, she's a free spirit. And, and yeah. I'm glad that you mentioned that because, and this gives away my Pentecost message, but that's okay because this comes out on Monday and I preach on Sunday. But <laughs> um, it's hard for me to read uh, the Pentecost story in Acts without also reading uh, Babel, right? To me, they're just so... Yeah. 
they're so similar, but flip flip sides of the same coin. And because in Babel, what happens? Um, humanity wants to build one nation, be have one language, uh, be in one place. Uh, so there's this idea of of uniformity, right? And God says, "No, that's not a good thing. I don't want that." So God scatters the people and makes them speak different languages and go to different places. So there's diversity. God kind of wants that. But then in Pentecost, again, everybody speaking all these different languages has this commonality, common understanding. They can understand one another. I think the idea is that God is not, you know, changing God's mind between the two stories. I think it's that God desires this diversity and, and people's uniquenesses, but that God desires us to have community um, within within those. It's, it's diversity with and what is the Holy Spirit, but, uh, but almost personification of the idea of, of with. It's God with us today. Paraclete means to cry out with. And uh, so I, I love that you, you named that about, about the uniqueness of cc um because yeah that that's her giftedness and her being that free spirit is um is exactly who who god made her to be it's very babel-esque right i, I can see uh, a cc type of person being created right out of that of that babel experience and and thanks be to god that um that it's not this one rigid way or that we're not this one rigid type of person um but that we have cc's in this world and hillary's in this world and 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 all the others in this world okay so last order of business ben and i do this thing uh, where we talk about canonization and um as now an official rev viewer um you have a vote in whether or not we canonize this film which is essentially to say um, it, it belongs in the, um, the holy book of, of cinematic experiences that uh, have something meaningful and, and powerful uh, to say about God. Uh, it's, it's not a, an honor that we bestow upon films lightly, uh, but those that really provoke within us spiritual uh, deep spiritual lessons, uh, we, we grant this honor. So, uh, for instance, the Batman <laughs> has been canonized, you know, okay. an important film like that. Let's see. Encanto, we canonized. Coda, we canonized. Diana, the musical did not get canonized. Okay. Um, Saving Private Ryan was we did, but there's an asterisk by it because there's this idea in Saving Private Ryan of of earning the sacrifice that has been made for you, and and we can't really earn the sacrifice that's been made for us in Jesus. And so, so that one, you know, we're still a little on the fence, although it, it, essentially we we put it in, but it can be taken out. So, what are your thoughts on beaches? I, you know, mm, that's a that's a really good one. Uh, it's kind of hard to say because, again, I, I I can see how it is because of, of the reality of the need of what we need God. We need him and the commitment there and especially the last part that you just mentioned about the the, the contributes of um, the Holy Spirit and seeing that I could I could so see it there. But at the same time, 
I did have to stretch a little to see the the theological or spiritual connection in ways too. Okay. Okay. You know what? Here's my thing for something that is as holy <laughs> as this <laughs> made up made up canon that uh that Ben and I are talking about that has really no value uh in the material world. Um I don't want us to have to stretch. So yeah. I am I am okay if we say Beaches is is a wonderful a wonderful book. I mean, oh excuse me, a wonderful movie. It actually was a book before it was a movie. Uh but it can be in the apocry- the apocrypha, you know, it doesn't have to be in in, in the canon. Yes. You know, That's it right. uh it, it is it is worthwhile. Uh, but we don't have to put it in in there. And and honestly, I'm more comfortable doing that because then whenever Ben is on again, I don't have to defend to him, um, you know, why I let this totally girl movie into the canon. Well, the, but that does not get him out of not watching it. He must watch it. Absolutely. And- you know, and still either do a, a movie report on it or, you know, in written <laughs> exactly. form since we can't do it podcast since, you know, he missed it. He's got to do it in write, written form right. and it is up for a grade. Yep. We're going to make him do a, a movie report. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Ben and I watch Beaches. <laughs> it's a movie about these ladies. All right. Um, okay. So I'm also going to announce what, what our next movie is. I'm going to see if you can guess it. Um, okay. see how, oh, how far your, your movie knowledge reaches. Um, bum, 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 All right. Uh, another song with words. Okay. Highway to the danger zone. There we go. There we go. Yeah. So the original, the original. Well, actually, I think we're, I think we're going to to put them together Um, because I've, I know I've seen the, the, uh, the sequel, I guess. uh, And Ben is going to try to see it uh, soon so that we can sort of talk about them together as, as a package deal. Uh, So yeah, everybody go watch Top Gun uh, another late 80s uh, movie with a, a happy strong, strong following. <laughs> yeah. Sad. Yeah. Eliza, next time she uh, you know picks a movie and I've got to be on the podcast, maybe give me a happy movie next time. please. <laughs> That's right. Let's see. Her other one was Walk the Line, um, oh, which. My, uh, no. Yeah. Walk the Line. I love that. I thought at first you said a walk to remember. And I was like, no, that's sad. too. <laughs> OK. Yeah. A walk, walk the Line. Yes. that's a Yeah. Walk one. the Line. You know, and it's got yeah. it's got its sadder points, but it, it doesn't end on on the sad note. You know, yeah. it, it's yeah. got that redemptive arc to it so okay well Kristen, we've loved having you thank you so much for joining us and uh, we will sure be sure to invite you back again uh to continue to mine your deep cinematic and spiritual knowledge i love it thank you for having me you got it we'll see all y'all later on the reviewers <laughs>